We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 99, The Bedazzler. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers, mythic Travis Sowers, on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am bedazzling. How are you, David? I am ready to get a two-star rating on Amazon. <laughs> like the bedazzler awesome uh how was your uh how was your week of streaming this week uh you hit mythic if i understand correctly in constructed yeah i did shortly after we recorded the podcast too it actually wasn't that much of a grind uh, and i've been going for mythic and limited too that one's taken a little bit longer i think that might be because it's ixalan uh but i'm in like platinum two. i think it was i didn't didn't actually play today did the set review with ethan uh, but I've I've been enjoying playing limited again and I'm having a great time with Arena. I am ready for uh, Ravnica Allegiance. Same, same. Why can I never I never remember what the set name is? Is it Ravnica Allegiances Singular Allegiance? Is it like it is, it is just one allegiance, and that would be to the God Pharaoh Nicol Bolas. Okay, okay. Are you sure it's not the allegiance to the Gatewatch? No, pretty sure it's Bolas. Okay, all right. Um, so speaking of set reviews, we are here with your 90-ish minute, maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter, uh, preview on kind of some of the key commons and uncommons that we do. So for those that are new to the podcast, um, we used to do full set reviews where we gave each card, uh, you know, a grade and, and went through all the junk commons and junk rares and mythics and things like that. Um, now we just kind of focus on the cards that we think um, are either going to be controversial or cards that we think you should be aware of when you go to your pre-release or when you're doing your first drafts on Magic Arena. So we're just going to dive right in and start with the multicolor cards. Now you did your set review, like you said, today on stream with uh, with Ethan from Lords of Limited. Um, mm. So you've got kind of, I'd say four and a half hours worth of uh of ratings here um but what cards stowed to you in in simic to start yeah so going through simic the the first one is actually the aramonculus uh which i think is is quite a powerful card for its casting cost it's one green blue for a two three flyer and it has adapt one for two green blue so adapt we'll see this a couple times as we go through various simic cards it always has a number and basically, you spend the amount of mana, and then you put that many counters on it. You can only do it once. Uh, so this is basically a 3-mana 2-3 flyer, and whenever you happen to have 4 extra mana laying around, it's a 3-4 flyer. Yeah, the, the thing that I like about Adapt, um, or the, the thing that I'm looking for when I'm looking for Adapt, is when the Adapt cost is immediately played after the casting cost is on curve. So if I can go turn 3 Hermonculus and turn 4 Adapt it, you know, maybe I don't have a better play in my hand or something like that. I feel like I'm still curving out, even though I'm not spending a card for my hand to do so. Um, so I think cards like this that fit into that game plan are going to be uh, role players in the in the Simic Adapt deck. Yeah, and it, you know, as, as Ethan pointed out too, it's it's possible that you cast this, you have the mana up, attack with it, don't adapt, 
because you've you've got a counter spell in hand. If your opponent plays around your counter spell, well, you missed a point of damage, but you've still got something to do with the mana. Uh, so I, I think this is a, a pretty good body here. And it, the main thing to remember is like you don't have to adapt it immediately. You just can, right? Yeah. So like at any point during the game going forward, you can decide you want this to be bigger, and all of a sudden it is. Yeah, the threat of activation on this one in particular isn't as important as it is on maybe some of the other adapt creatures um, because this is flying and it's usually not getting blocked. Um, But I think we'll see later where the threat of activation becomes a real thing. Um, And I think you're kind of weighing that, you know, do you want an evasive creature that that can, you know, you can adapt when you're holding up other things or... Uh, you know, maybe you're holding up instant, instant speed removal or card draw or something like that. Um, but I think we'll see adapt a little bit later on some of the bigger bodies where you're jamming this in and you're okay if your opponent blocks with it because you're removing two creatures or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And and it really it really warps the the game here. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays. I think this card in particular is going to be um, a sign at common that this guild is open. So yeah. I, I think if you're seeing this like you know, middle of the pack in, in pack one, I think you should be shifting gears. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if it's worth splashing if you're playing uh gruel particularly, I think. Yeah. I also wanted to mention as we go through this, that like, it's going to be structured similar, similarly to how guilds of Ravnica was, but we can't take any lessons that we learned there and automatically apply them here. It's a different format. It, it happens to be another one that only has five color pairs, and there will be some similarities, such as gates and the fact that we've got a lot of good quality gold cards. But don't make assumptions about the speed of the format or what we've got going on. Like One of the things I remember from Guilds of Ravnica is that there weren't a lot of great mana sinks, and there's a ton of them here from what I've seen. Uh, and that by itself will, will kind of flip a format on its head. The next card that was jumping out to me in Simic, and I think we're going to have to talk about all of these for the different guilds, was the Combine Guild Mage. Uh, This is blue-green for a 2-2 Merfolk Wizard. One to green, tap it. This turn, each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And one in a blue, move a counter from target creature you control onto another target creature you control. Am I crazy for really liking this one? Mm Mm-mm. So there's a land, if I remember correctly, I think I played it in Commander, um, where you tap it and all your green creatures that enter the battlefield get a plus one, plus one counter this turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one more to activate, but it's on a stick. And I want to say, maybe the other one was legendary, maybe it wasn't. Um, but the upside of this in the mid to late game is huge. It turns your your 2-2 two, two dorks, which you're going to have a few of into 3-3 three, three dorks, which is significantly better, I think, in this format. I think the jump from 2 to 3 is going to be very important in this format, just looking at the power toughness curve. Yeah, and then you'd been talking about Threat of Activation with the uh, Adapt mechanic. You've basically got that for the blue mana here. Now, a few folks mentioned today that this is a bit of a nombo with Adapt as far as entering with the counter on it, but just don't use it on your Adapt creatures if you're planning to Adapt them later. Like, It's not like your Simic deck is going to have 17 Adapt creatures in this. I can't think of many adapt creatures that I would not want to put this on. You can always just move the plus one, plus one counter from it later if you need to adapt. Like, it's sure, it's a little bit more mana. It's a, You're taxing it for two. But, like, you get that extra plus one, plus one counter on something else. Um, and some of the adapt creatures that have an ability when they adapt are just when they get plus one, plus one counters put on them. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't I don't see why you wouldn't, why this would be a non-bow. 
Well, just that you can't play an adapt creature and then adapt it shortly thereafter. But like, I, I'm, I still would argue like, A, who cares as you're mentioning? And B, it's not like all your creatures are going to have adapt. And this is going to be just amazing with all the rest of them. Yeah. I, I think the guild mages got, they seem to have gotten way better in this set compared to the previous one. I think there's, I think that, I think they were pretty good in the previous set too, but yeah, they, they do seem a little better. That's fair. Uh, Frilled Mystic is a card you're going to want to be aware of. Uh, green, green, blue, blue for a 3-2 flash. When it enters the battlefield, you may counter target spell. This is this is really neat. Mystic Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm disappointed that it's not an elf snake wizard, but I do appreciate it that it's a lizard wizard. That's, kind That's of, just fun to say. It's kind of, kind of fun to say. Um, yeah. Does it draw you into Simic, or is are you picking these up when you're Simic? Like you're you're playing these obviously if you're Simic. Yeah, I I think this one is more of a I'm going to take it once I know I'm Simic. I suspect there will be other people that are more interested in this effect than I am. But like this this is functionally a two for one as long as you can get this off. And Simic is uniquely designed to make you spend mana at the end of your opponent's turn anyway, because there's going to be various other instants as well as the adapt cost to pay. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a real feel bad card when you get got by it. And you're going to get got by it. So, like, go ahead and accept that. It's going to get you. Yep. Uh, and then as far as Simic cards, I think those were the main ones that I wanted to chat about, at least at Uncommon. Were, were there any that were jumping out to you? I suppose we need to mention Shark to Crab. Fish, Octopus, Crab. Are we just talking about these cards because they're ridiculous? I mean, I think that's a pretty compelling reason to be talking about it. Uh, but in addition, it is a four mana four four. This is two green blue for a four four. It has adapt for two green blue, uh, adapt one. And when you put a counter on it, tap target creature and opponent controls that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Oh man, this plus the 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 Simic Guild Mage there, just moving plus one plus one counters around and tapping things down. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. I mean, and it's a four mana four four. Like, let's let's understand that's a, a wonderful body. Uh, yeah, and it's a five five most of the time too, because it's it, like again the adapt is is forecasting cost. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not it's not quite on curve. Like you're a little behind curve on that one, or not behind curve. You know what I mean? Like you're not. It's not a five casting cost. It's a little cheaper than curve. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's it's exactly what I want to do. Uh, it attacks as a five five and then taps something down that turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not and getting you- blocked. Yeah, and you can save that and use it later, right? Like, you can continue to curve out if you've got something else to do, cast a two and a three or whatever. So I think that card's quite good. Uh, were there any other cards that you thought were worth a mention? No, I think that was it in Simic. Um, I, I'm a Simic. I, I was a Simic player at heart when I first started, I think. Um, so I'm really looking forward to drafting it. Um, and I'm very happy that it goes along with Gruul, just the way the lands break down, right, in this in this yeah. format. So being able to play, um, I guess, team or colors... Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that with the plus one, plus one synergies. Yeah. Seems good. Uh, what guild goes next? Um, let's do Azorius because that's in the order that I'm looking at here on the screen. <laughs> okay. That works. Uh, I th- kind of think I like the Azorius Knight Arbiter. Uh, this is three blue white for a two, five vigilance and it can't be blocked. I think I kind of agree with you. Um, I think this is like sneaky might be the best blocker at common and uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 
there, so I was looking at the numbers. I don't have them exactly in front of me. I'll, I'll bring up the chart a little bit later. Um, but I think there's only like three or four creatures, not counting ride and not counting adapt, that are bigger that that have five power or more. So out of the box, there's not many creatures that this just doesn't blank. And then even against a lot of Riot creatures or Adapt creatures, it still has good game, uh, and it'll make a very good double blocker. Mm-hmm. So for all those reasons, I think I like it. Yeah, I was thinking like Azorius looks like it wants to be attacking in the air anyway. This sort of does that while holding the ground for you, yeah. right? Like once you play this, they got 10 turns to deal with it, or it's going to kill them, right? Like depending on how stable you are, where the board is. So like generally speaking, I liked this card a lot. Um, I also think, although it suffers from the six drop tax, that the Azorius Skyguard is quite something. Uh, it's four white blue for a three three flying first strike. Creatures your opponents control get minus one minus zero. Here's a question for you: Would you rather all your creatures get plus one plus zero, or all your opponents' creatures get minus one minus zero? I'd rather have the power on my side if I get to pick. Mm. See, I think it's close though. I think people underestimate how big of a deal all of your opponents' creatures being weaker is. Oh, it's a huge deal. Like, it, it, I, I think it's not quite as good as an Anthem for me, but it's still great. It, it's still great. It effectively makes, like, it makes their combat miserable no matter what they do. Like, if you give all your creatures plus one, plus one, right, all of the all the creatures on the, on the other side of the table can still trade for all my stuff, usually. Or no, yeah. if, plus one, plus zero, right? Like, they can still mm-hmm. trade. But if you give all their stuff minus one, minus zero, it's, it just seems like it's a lot harder for them to make those trades. Um combat tricks aren't as effective right they they have to double block a lot more if they're going to start killing your things it's just minus one minus zero is like is more like plus one plus one to your team um whereas plus one plus zero and, and minus one minus zero i think it depends on how you're how you're attacking your opponent so i think people i think some newer players might look at this and not realize how powerful it is compared to a plus one plus one or plus one yeah, plus zero it, it's it's very powerful do be aware that if they kill it you know, mid combat or something. There's not a whole lot of ways to do that, but there are some that their creatures will eventually will immediately gain that power boost back. Uh, so you kind of need to be ready for that potential blowout. Uh, but I think a, another big thing it does here is wreck the afterlife tokens from Orzov. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next card for me was Law Mage's Binding. Uh, this is one blue white flash enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack, block, and its activated abilities cannot be activated. This is a common. Uh, hot take. Yeah, uh, flash passivisms are good. Actually, it's flash, mm-hmm. flash arrest, I guess. Um, Can I'm we s- call it flashifism? Oh, flashifism? I kind of like mm-hmm. that. It's the If it didn't have the activated abilities can't be activated, I'd say that's an A-plus nickname. Um, yeah. I'm splashing this whenever I can, I think, in my Orzhov deck. Yeah, this looks like premium removal to me. I couldn't quite get what the flash was for, and then Ethan said it's for the riot cards. So they play it, and they're like, I'll give my dude haste. You're like, cool, it's not attacking anyway. I mean, or end of turn if you're holding up a counterspell. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things right, you could like do with Typical it. things you could do with flash. But yeah, I was trying to figure that out too, but the riot makes a lot of sense. Um, or, you know, if your opponent leaves back not enough blockers and you can win on the crackback, you can flash their thing in a turn and, and get them. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of play to this card. Um, next Azorius card for me was the Senate Guild Mage, uh, blue-white for a 2-2. It has white tap gain to life, blue tap draw a card, and discard a card. I feel like one of those abilities should have been four mana for a casting cost, or for a cost, and it would have been A-OK by me. 
Yeah, maybe if we just draw a card, but I mean, it is loot. Like, let's be fair. Like this, this, I this is an amazing guild mage. I think this, these are these are your grandfather's guild mages. Yeah, I feel a little bit like I'm getting away with something on this one. Like, you know, even if if your hand is gas, so the, so the rule of thumb is that you always loot. Mm-hmm. We've had this argument before. We the general we. Um, if your hand is entirely gas and you're like, well, I don't want to risk discarding a really good card, then gain two life. Who cares? No, that the only time you would ever activate the gain two life is if your your life total is seriously being threatened, or you only have white mana up, not blue mana. I mean, my always p- loot. All yes, always loot. But my point is, is if you make the mistake and don't loot, you're still gaining two life. Yeah, it's not that bad. But I mean, this is a, basically a Punisher card for yourself. Because you should always loot. You should always make the correct decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this is going to be fantastic. Um, it, I don't know. It's so easy to, to to activate this and cast something else on the same term. I, this is like a, this is a, a high pick for me. This is pick one, pack one. Rare sucks. Oh, look, there's a Santa Guild Mage. I guess I'm playing Azorius. Yeah, it's just the, the 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 fact that it's so cheap to activate that we can do that and something else and have all of that staple to a relative uh, relevant body has me very in on this card. Yeah, you look at the other guild mages and some of them are conditional and some of them are expensive. Mm-hmm. And this one is neither, so. Yeah, yeah, it's always good. Uh, Sphinx of New Prov gets a nod. Uh, white, white, blue, blue for a 4-3 flying vigilance. Spells your opponent's cast that target it costs two more to cast. It's functionally nullhide ferox in the air <laughs> basically i mean it's it's more or less like a sarah angel right that, that doesn't block quite as well yeah i mean i'm in on that like four power in the air with vigilance is pretty good yeah i think so too um probably worth noting the card draw spell for azorius uh it's sphinx's insight two white blue for an instant draw two cards addendum that is the azorius mechanic if you cast this spell during your main phase you gain two life i don't think it's particularly great but if you want to be drawing two cards at instant speed this is how you're doing this in this format uh so a little bit of card draw may not be terrible especially if you've got something else to do with the mana so like if there's a bant deck that's like holding up mana to adapt dudes and then maybe casting this that might fit in there as well it's funny, Ari Lax on Twitter had a comment about this card, and I once I saw it, it made so much sense, and I absolutely echo it. He's like, at this point, why don't you just play a locket and pop it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the, and the locket has the advantage of smoothing your mana, or ramping you, or, or doing other things before you pop it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong there, and I do think that lockets are going to be better in this format than they were before. Uh, and, and I'll mention that as we go through. Although, in the end, I decided that they were quite good, quite good as a stretch. Playable and sealed for Guilds of Ravnica. So if you're listening to this and getting ready for your pre-release, don't feel ashamed to put a locket in your deck. I, it may go a long way for you. Okay. Um, the hybrid card for Azorius, I think, is quite good. Uh, Senate Griffin is 2 Azorius Azorius for a 3-2 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, scry 1. Dude, 3-2 with upside in the air? I'm, I'm sold. I love me a 3-2 for 4. Yeah, and it's actually easier to cast than you think because you can put it in Orzov, you can put it in Simic. Like this, this thing kind of goes everywhere, right? Yeah, this is going to be like a, um, not a role player, but this is going to be like a really consistent card that you can always rely on getting in one of those decks. And you'll have one or two of them. It'll plunk through for some damage. 
you know, it gives you a finisher. It gives you some some scry action. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I think I dig this one a lot, too, especially at a common. Solid role player is a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, just Depose and Deploy, I think, is actually a good card. This is a split card. I didn't particularly like the Simic one, so I didn't mention it. But this one I do. Uh, it has Depose, which is an instant for one Azorius. Tap target creature, draw a card. And then it has Deploy, which is also an instant. Two blue-white, create two one-one colorless thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. You gain one life for each artifact creature you control. No, for each creature you control. That's mm-hmm. even better. Yeah. I like that the first mode is like gain two life, draw a card. Um, if you are in need of cycling, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also like that the deploy side will gain you like somewhere between two and six life usually, I would say. Um, so, you know, if the format ends up being not aggressive, but like where you're taking a lot of damage from Rakdos, uh, or, or gruel creatures with haste, like this can help stabilize you and get you over, you know, to the late game where maybe you want to be with Azorius. Um, I kind of really like this card. I don't know if I'm picking it highly, but like, you know, pack three, you know, pick two, if there's nothing else in the pack and I'm Azorius, I'm like, I'd be happy to pick this up. I think this is a bit of a draw into Azorius for me. Like, the, the four-mana Flash Windrake split up over two bodies with some life gain looks fantastic. Because, you know, maybe they're attacking me with an X1, I can gain some life. You know, maybe I'm holding up a counter spell and they don't actually play anything I want to counter. Cool, I'll play this instead. I may have some adapt blue creatures in my deck. I just, I feel like there's a lot of play at instant speed on these cards, which makes something like this better. And it has my favorite mechanic ever, which is basically cycling. And as you mentioned, it's sometimes cycling gain to life. So, like, all of that adds up to a really good package for me. Yeah. I mean, you have to tap a creature, so it's probably gaining you life. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could tap your own creature at the end of your opponent's turn if you really need to cycle something. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there just needs to be a creature in play for you to cycle it. Yeah. Okay. I I think Azorius is cool. I do like flying things, so I look forward to playing it. Maybe a Bant deck would be sweet. Yeah, if we can pull one together, and I bet you can and seal a good bit. Like, I, I took the what guild do you belong in quiz, and they said I'm Azorius, and I, I like the guild, so I'm I'm happy to play with them. What about Orzov? What do you like about Orzov? Oh, everything, everything. This is the guild I want to be in, but I'm not quite there. Uh, Basilica Bellhaunt was first on my list of cards I think are cool and, and good. Uh, it's white, white, black, black for a 3-4. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card and you gain three life. It's uh, not quite Siege Rhino. <laughs> no, it's not a Siege Rhino, but I mean, it's... it. It's How far away from Siege Rhino is it, considering the casting cost requirements? Uh, no, the Siege Rhino is the 3-3 the three, three flyer that drains your opponent for two coming up here. Um, Siege Flyno, yeah. Siege Flyno. No, you know, out of the AABB cards, or whatever we're calling them, I think I'm not as high on this one as, as you are. Um, I think this might be at the bottom of my list. Out of the out of the five, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Like we've seen these before, where I think they're all good in that deck. But I don't know if I want to be like I don't know if I'm ever first picking this, or if I'm like see this like third or fourth pick. It's like oh man, now I'm Orzov unless I already have some black or white cards. You know, like like I'm not going to jump ship for this card. Um, I don't know, man. If if you're playing this on turn four or five, you're going to get a relevant card. You get a three four body for four mana, and you're gaining three life. And there are some life payment mechanics in Orzov that you're going to want to take advantage of. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the three life gain here is not trivial. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm with you. And there's there's some lifelink, too, going around. Like, not 
maybe not as much as as in, in sets past, but I don't know. I think uh, I think it's hard to cast, and I think so. I want I want a card that's still going to be that's going to be more most relevant later in the game as opposed to on turn four. But you're right, it is a beating on turn four. I think they're all good. I think I'm just not as high on this one as you are. That's fair. That's fair. I I don't think it's much harder to cast than white black would be in a normal core set. Right? Because like we're we're bending our mana and we have some fixing to be able to do this. Uh but that 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 said, I I like the card and I probably like it more than I should. Yeah. So free, I can kind of get over myself the there. The body's pretty good. It reminds me like not not entirely like Golgari Fine Broker. Um because the card like you know, you getting a card back is better than your opponent discarding a card of their choice, obviously. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see if the body is just as relevant, and it looks like it will be. Yeah, that's exactly what I compared it to, and that's exactly what Ethan said. Okay. Uh, so, good to go there. Uh, final payment, though, uh, we disagreed on a little bit. I really like this card. Uh, Black-white instant as an additional cost to cast the spell, pay five life, or sacrifice a creature or enchantment, destroy target creature. You mean dismember? Yeah, basically. I mean, no, I, I think this is... I don't think you can play too many... I think you can play too many of these. Um, I, I think that there's there's an upper limit on the number of these that you want to play, but in certain matchups where your opponent is removing your creatures and you can you can sacrifice it to this, um, or they're playing Azorius and they're playing the the pacifism, you can you can use this. Or you just spend five life to kill that thing that's going to kill you in two turns. Um there is a risk, um, but you get to choose what that risk is, and I think you know, two for wanting yourself with a dorky two drop to kill your opponent's bomb is is fine. Some people might compare it to severed strands. The major difference is the flexibility of this and the instant speed, and the fact that we may be sacrificing afterlife creatures, and we'd rather have the tokens anyway. And let's not forget, Act of Treason is also in the set at common, and we've got guild gates to fix for Mardu colors. So like. I mean, you you could you could color me interested. You could color me interested. There's a lot of fun things I think you can do here. I definitely think there's diminishing returns on this as as you get more, though. I think the first one is very important. I think the first two are probably very good, and then three or more. I think I, it I think scales with the quality it. of your Orzhov deck. The more afterlife creatures I have, the more interested I am in this card. Right? Yeah. Like if if all of your creatures have afterlife, who cares if you're sacrificing a few of them? And if none of them have afterlife, it kind of sucks to have to sacrifice them. So there's a scale in the middle there. Like, the more afterlife creatures you have, the better this card, I think, gets. Yeah, Recursion from the Graveyard would be good, too. There's a uh, there's a Spectacle card in black that you can buy back cards from your Graveyard. Um, obviously, goes up in value with this, too. So, Sure. Yep. Uh, Grasping Thrall, I think, is worth a nod. Or maybe I just like Orzov too much. But this is 3 black-white for a 3-3 three, three flyer. When it enters the battlefield, two damage to each opponent, and you gain two life. Yeah, Siege Thrino. Or Siege Flyno, sorry. Um, I like five mana flying three threes. And if you turn this into a, like, basically a haster, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah. No, I, I, think I, so think, too. I think this is going to be, like, one of my top like pickups in common, I think. Like, I'm going to see this pick four. I'd be like, well, I guess we're Roar's off now. Yeah, I would go in for this. Yep. Um, I think the Imperious Oligarch is worth a nod. It's black-white for a 2-1 Vigilance with Afterlife 1. 
it just kind of shows you somewhat what Orzov is wanting to do here. And it looks like kind of a value deck more so than like a beatdown deck. This card, I think, is very good if uh, if you can consistently get white-black on your in, on turn two. So I think if I have, you know, a lot of Orzov Guild Gates, I want as many of these as I can get. Yeah, even if you don't, like, it's not unreasonable to be able to cast this on turn two. Agreed. And let's see, we've got Mortify back at instant. Uh, one white-black, destroy target, creature, or enchantment. Can you do the Morty burp? <laughs> no, I can't. But if I could, that would be great. It's actually I, the Rick Burp. But. Oh, sorry, the Rick Burp. My, my bad. I don't actually watch the show, so. Rick and Mortify. <laughs> no, this, I mean, it's fantastic, right? Like, we're not going to get better removal, I think, at this point, so. Agree. Uh, Pitiless Pontiff is here. Uh, white Black for a 2 2. Sacrifice another creature. Pitiless Pontiff gains get, Death Touch and Indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, there's your, uh, like, getting value out of your creatures, right? Like, turning all of your creatures into Death Touchers. Your opponent mm -hmm. can never attack into this. Um, I'm, 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 I'm game for this one. Just keep the mana up and you're good. It's probably also going to turn on Spectacle if you have any Spectacle cards in your Orzhov deck, because they're mm -hmm. not blocking it either. Mm -hmm. Man, Mardu's going to be fun to play. I think so. I, I'm curious if we can actually pull it off. Like, is this a, a format where I can cast multiple colors like that? Uh, Syndicate Guild Mage is black-white for a 2-2. One and a white, tap target creature with power 4 or greater. Four and a black, deals 2 damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Eh. This is probably the worst of the cycle. It, true, and it's still pretty good. I mean, is it? There's not a... I mean, okay. I think it's situationally good. Um, and, and the reason is just the math on the number of 4 power... 4 or greater creatures on the on the power side um again out of the box there's not that many you have to rely on your opponent riding or adapting and they might not if you have this on the battlefield which i guess is like slowing your opponent down um and and the second ability is just too expensive it is unless you don't have anything else to do with the mana mm -hmm. right so like for me a card a, a two drop that still does something later in the game is never going to be too bad for me. So I agree this is probably the worst of the guild mages just because the, the activated abilities are so expensive to activate, but that still doesn't make them bad. It's a two-mana 2-2 two -two with some some extra abilities. I dig that. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. Listeners have to keep in mind that, like, you know, when, when I poo-poo something like that, it's because it's underwhelming compared to the other cards I could be picking out of this pack. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I, if I see this pick one, pack one, it's it doesn't excite me, but if I see it like pick six and I'm like, Oh, I'm already Orzov. Great. I get a guild mage. This is awesome. Right. Like I'm not, it's all relative to where I'm going to pick it up in the pack. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. Yep. Um, I do think the Orzov, uh, split card is a good one. It's consecrate and consume, uh, consecrate. Not so much. It's one Orzov for an instant exile target card from a graveyard, draw a card. I'm not really sure what we're supposed to do with that. Um, and it's really difficult to cycle because there's not going to be much in the graveyard there. But Consume, I think, is fine. It's uh, two white-black. Target player sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control. You gain life equal to the power. Um, now, at Sorcery Speed, we had this at Instant Speed in Cons and Crackling Doom. It was a little harder to cast, and it was just good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, the problem with Edict, edict Effects is that your opponent gets to choose. And in this case, they don't really get to choose. Yeah, it's definitely getting the biggest thing. Yep. 
Um, now that's all the Orsov cards I have, but as I was scrolling through here, I realized I did a little bit of a disservice to Simic and left out one of their friends. And I, I want to mention the the Gyre Engineer here, because I think this is actually going to be somewhat relevant in Simic decks. Um, so pardon me for going off guild here, uh, but one green-blue for a 1-1, one, one, you tap it and add green-blue. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. I don't know if it's too bad or great that it's an uncommon, <laughs> because I, I miss that we don't have elves. Um, yeah. But but this guy's pretty nutters in that deck specifically. Yeah, I've, I've said I've seen a lot of mana sinks. Most of them are in the Simic colors, obviously, with Adapt being there. Uh, so that looks like a deck that could actually use this. And the fact that it's a 1-1 one, one doesn't super matter. I mean, it'd be better if it was a 2-2 two, two, so you could maybe trade it off later or block if it had to. But that looks like a deck that's going to want a lot of mana. Yep. Okay, who's next? Uh, not Gruel, then die. Not Gruel, then die. Okay, so I really like Bulrak Clan Crusher. Uh, this is three red-green for a 4-4 four, four Ogre. Tap it, remove a plus one, plus one counter from a creature you control, two damage to any target. Yeah. It, it slices, it dices, it makes combat impossible for your opponents, and it gives you reach at the end of the game. All of that, and it like can just remove little things too. Yep. So like it's it's important to remember you're going to be getting uh, plus one plus one counters from Riot potentially. Um, so it, it could turn your Riot creatures into you know come and play with with the counter and just deal two damage to something. Um, as well as you're going to have like some green adapt creatures in your Gruul deck. So this gives you a mana sink and then a way to like remove those adapt counters to deal damage and then add them back later. And you can kind of get a little engine going. All for the cost of playing a five mana four four, which you'd probably do anyway. Yeah. The how many activations off this do you need to be happy? It's just one, right? Just one. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. If this plunks a two two or wins a combat for you or something, um, I, I think you're pretty happy with this card. Yeah, it'll let some of your little stuff trade up, right? They've got a four four. You attack with a two two. Are they really going to block? Because you can just fling a counter at it. Uh, and then I really like the reach that it's providing. So I, I think this is kind of a, a key card for Gruul. I would love to splash this in my Simic deck. Yeah, I think it would go quite well there too. And the Guildgate should let you do it. Yep. Uh, very easily. Uh, Clan Guild Mage is red-green for a 2-2. Two, two. One in red target creature can't block this turn. Two and a green target land you control becomes a 4-4 four, four elemental creature with haste. Thank God they put haste on it. It's still a land. Yeah, it's it's really too bad that you can't just curve out with this and make that land on turn three. Um, so you got to wait till turn four to do it. But um, I, I like it. I, I like it because the the can't block this turn is usually going to be relevant. And I mean, if your opponent doesn't have a board, you're giving this guy plus two plus two basically for three mana. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it. I, I kind of also feel like the target creature can't block in conjunction with Riot cards, which may have haste. It's going to be kind of terrifying to stare down. Because, like, on five mana, I could make something not block, cast a haste creature, and, you know, kind of hit you out of nowhere. And then maybe turn on a red spectacle card that I, you know, had later, too. So, like, so it, it feels like there's a lot of things I can do with this card, which is basically what I want out of a two-drop if I can get it. Yeah, exactly. Now, I got a cat beast for you. Uh, it's Frenzied Erinx. <laughs> I love this. I love the art on this card. I know we shouldn't talk about the art on, on the podcast because people can't see it, but it's just this giant, like, ram-looking lynx 
fighting a bunch of gruel warriors and it is savage it's kicking their butt it's it, like yeah they took its catnip and it's ready to to tear them to pieces uh it's two red green for a three three with riot and trample and for six mana you can give it plus three plus oh until end of turn i mean talk us through what this is with riot do you want your four mana three three to be hasty or a four four yeah either of those right? sound good and and they both and I sound get both. great and, and and it has trample so i think if if this didn't have trample i would be less excited for it um but the fact that it has trample and that the mana sink actually counts for something here this thing can be a, a seven four attacker with trample mm-hmm. in the in the mid to late game and and i think that's very easy to on a common that you're okay playing like you're gonna play it on turn four it's like it's great it's a four four i don't care if i block with it i have more of these um this is just a significant role player, I think, in the in the Gruul deck, and the fact that it's at, at common, I think, is going to be very exciting for Gruul players. This, I think, this is a sign. This is like one of those commons. It's going to be like, hey, look, signals. You should be in this in these colors. Yeah. Now, the next one I wanted to mention because I actually didn't like it, and Ethan did, so I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, Rhythm of the Wild is one red green for an enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot. Uh, of note, a riot creature could riot twice. So like, it's not like this doesn't do anything with your riot cards. Mm-hmm. So my take on this one is it's like a, like, kind of like a, a weird anthem um, in, in a way, in that in that it's affecting all of your future creatures, not your present creatures. Um, that can't be countered doesn't really matter. That's a, that's a constructed thing, potentially. It, I think it purely depends on the speed of the format. If you can be in a, if in this format, if you can afford to take a turn three off to make all of, to make all of your creatures in the future outclass your opponent's creatures, then I'm fine with it. If you can't take turn three off, um, then I, I don't want to be playing this card because I want to be surviving, uh, into the late game. I think having the choice between haste and a plus one, plus one creature is pretty important, right? So, um, you know, let's say your opponent's doing a really good job of trading creatures off and they're keeping the board clean. Well, every time you play a creature, they're getting smacked. And, and that they just can't do anything about that. Um, if you're in a board stall, all of your creatures all of a sudden become like all your future creatures are plus one, plus one. And now you're starting to put a little more pressure on your opponent. They have to be double blocking. Maybe combat tricks work a little better in your favor because they're forced into double blocks. Like when all of your creatures are just plus one, plus one compared to your opponent's creatures, um, you can start to swing games in your favor. I think it purely depends on the speed of the format. See, I, I looked at it differently. Like, if I could rewrite this card and make it something that I, I super loved, I'd remove the can't be countered part for limited and say, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Non-token creatures you control have riot. Mm-hmm. Like, then it would be an anthem. Because for me, an anthem style effect is you play it right now, boom, my team's bigger, get you. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't do that. And you're talking about ter- taking turn three off. Well, Gruul is the deck you're scared of when you take turn three off. So I feel like when they take turn three off, you get a little breathing room because they, they did spend a card for this. I feel like you you need to get like, I don't know, three counters before it's worth it. And And then when you get the fourth, you're like, okay, cool. I did the thing. It's, I think it's less that you need the three counters. And I think more that it could warp how your opponent plays the game. And and I think, and I think that's the, I think that's the, the piece that, maybe people might miss about this one is it's not what it does for you 
it's what it does it's what your it forces your opponent to think about so like can i attack him with everything like am i gonna get smashed in the face for for six next turn um you know do do i have to hold back to double block whatever my opponent's gonna play or something like like i don't know what's coming out of your hand all i know is that it could hit either hit me in the face it could be a lava axe or it's going to be big um and if it's a right creature it's going to be hasty and big yeah so i don't think that like i want to try it we've had effects in in the past where like there was an enchantment that gave all your creatures haste and that was not very good out but i did see it play well in some styles and some people did have success with it and i was never one of those people i'm trying to remember what the card was was it I mean, in there's cons? been cards like Fires of Yavamaya, no, which it was wasn't always fine, but not great. It wasn't that. It was a, it was another one. Maybe it was Fires. Maybe it was one of, in one of the Masters sets. Maybe I played a Fires in one of the Masters sets. That gave all your creatures haste, and you could sacrifice it. For a combat trick. For a combat trick. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where I played it. But I think it just purely depends, right? Like, if, if a Gruul, plays, Gruul player plays this on turn three, like... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm clenching a little bit on that one, I think. See, I'm not. I'm just saying, okay, they want to race and they took turn three off. Let's race. Mm-hmm. Like, m- maybe my deck wasn't built to race, but that's what we're doing now. And you're right. They've changed the game. But they, they did it by basically saying, hey, Travis, you're going to need to race me to win. And I'm going to tell you that right now. So just so you know, I'm planning to race you. I'll be like, okay, let's go, buddy. I think it also depends on the quality of your creatures. Like, if you have a lot of uh, trample creatures this goes way up in value, I think, because now your trample creatures are pushing damage through. Um, but they're already good. They didn't need this to make them better. But I, mm. like this is this is a card that I'm interested to see play and then see if I change my mind about. Oh, for sure. Like, I think this could be a controversial card. I think people are going to play it to great success and I think people are going to ignore it and be just fine. But um, yeah. I'm, I want to try it. I'm curious. All right, let's talk about Savage Smash. Uh, this is one red-green for a sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. Oh, praise the Lord. We have a fight spell that gives you power and toughness again. Yeah, because we went from fight spells being garbage to Rabid Bite being really good, but it wasn't actually a fight spell to fight spells being garbage again. And we haven't really had a good one since Dragon Punch. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to play this card. This is like... Yeah, I want to be gruel for cards like this. Yeah, same. Uh, so Ethan was a little down on this one. What do you think of Sunder Shaman? Uh, red, red, green, green for a 5-5. Five, five. Can't be blocked by more than one creature. When it deals combat damage to a player, destroy target artifact or enchantment that player controls. It's a hard to cast Bristlebore. Is that, is that what the one, like the 4-3 that couldn't be blocked by more than one creature? Yeah, except it's not a four three. No, it's a it's a five five, right? So you're getting what you pay for when you when you can't you know cast it on turn four. Um, I I think it's not a draw to be gruel, but I am playing it in my gruel deck. I think it's a little bit of a draw, and, and I think it's telling you a lot of what gruel wants to do, which is just be big and attack. You had noted that five was kind of a huge number as far as power here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not really anything that can block this profitably outside of a few death touch creatures. Mm-hmm. Other than that, this basically says, do you have a removal spell? If not, you're going to begin chomping relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is a good card for what Red Green wants to do, which is it looks like beat your face in. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, like, not excited to first pick it, but I'm excited to, like, fourth pick it fifth picket yeah i think i'd be excited to second picket 
Uh, Zyrtok Goblin's probably worth at least a nod. It's red-green for a 2-2 with Riot. Yeah, this this one's interesting because you look at the Orzhov version of this card, like the 2-1 for white-black, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if I don't cast this on turn two. This one is, like, you want to be casting it on turn two, but it's also fine on turn three. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that makes it a, an interesting card here. So I would, like, as you're building your deck, you're probably slotting these between your two and three drop spot, um, and you're okay with it either way. I think so. Um, and I think those were the main ones I wanted to go over for Gruul. Like, the split cards are fine, but you should know when to play those. They look a little situational. All right, let's do Rakdos and then get into the, the mono colors. Okay, cool. Uh, so we will go to the Carnival. Uh, we're going to start out with Colt Guild Mage, which is black-red for a 2-2. Three and a black, target player discards a card, sorcery speed, or red tap, deal one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Yeah, this one's interesting because I think the first mode you get value out of even when you're never activating it. Because yeah, because they got to be scared that you might. They got to be scared. They can't leave that one, let lone powerful card in their hand, or maybe they hold lands in their hand, right? It, it makes them think um, and potentially make poor decisions. And then you're like, oh, sucker, I was just holding up the second act, or I'm just doing the second activation anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I like the uh, the spectacle uh, enabler here as well. Like, it's super cheap, which means you can use this and cast your spectacle card quite easily on on turn three or turn four. Yeah, I think it's doing all of that. Yep. It's, it's it's interesting to note that both of these abilities you'll probably want to use on your own turn. One, because you have to, and the other because it's enabling spectacle, and that, that's like the right time to do it. Yeah, but I mean, we like pingers to the face generally anyway, um, and this one's pretty cheap as far as those go. Yeah, it, I mean, on a relevant body, so I'm happy. Um, Fireblade Artist is black-red for a 2-2 haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice a creature when you do... Fireblade Artist deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So I was watching the loading ready run pre pre release, and uh, Aaron from Magic Mike's, Aaron Campbell, is that, is mm-hmm. that her name? She mm-hmm. was playing a Mardu, basically Mardu token sacrifice deck with two of these things, and they did work. Yeah, um, I bet they did. Obviously, like that, like she had a really good pool for it, and, and she, she had a lot of really cool synergies going on, but like this guy is going to deal six to eight damage over the course of the game easily um mm-hmm. if you want it to and i i don't think you can sweat this card i think you have to i think you have to respect it i think it deserves removal and if you have this in your pool you should seriously be considering rakdos if you have a pool that supports it um you know you, you deal some early damage with it with the haste and then you just get that extra reach and i think it's awesome yeah, it's it's the reach that really draws me into it, right? Like, if I turn to it and get in some damage, that's awesome. If I don't, the fact that I can, like, you know, basically be like, what's your life total at? Okay, that's how many turns I've got to just stay alive. It is worth noting that you don't decide when this sacrifices. It only happens during your upkeep, so this is not a combo with Act of Treason. Uh, but the, the card overall looks, looks very strong to me for a two-drop. Uh, Get the Point is next at 3 black red for an instant destroy target creature scry 1. I mean, if you have to. (laughs) I I actually think it's a little better than that because we were pretty happy with destroying a creature at sorcery speed in the last set. Mm -hmm. Um, This one feels a little bit slower to me. 
Like we'll, we'll talk about that some, and it's hard to gauge the speed of a format, but Rakdos doesn't look quite as aggressive as Boros did, or at least as snowbally as Boros did, right? Like it felt like once Boros got going, there really wasn't much that you could do unless you interrupted them early. Whereas Rakdos, I, I feel like you may be able to interact with that better. That said, this is a Rakdos spell, but I, I think this is filling a slim, similar spot as uh, Deadly Visit, and we were first picking that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You like, you're definitely not wrong. It's just you, you see Mortify in in Orzov colors, and you're like, oh man, like, why, why can't I have Mortify in my Rakdos deck? And yeah. I guess you could if you wanted to splash it. But like, I mean, you're gonna have expensive removal. You're gonna have cheap removal. Um, the fact that this is instant, instant speed obviously makes it better. And the Scry is interesting. You don't normally see that in uh in the red there. So yeah, I dig it. Yeah, Hackerbat is certainly worth a nod at one black red for a two three. Black, give it Death Touch. Red, give it plus two, minus two. And it has Spectacle for red-black. Oh, man. Turn one hasty goblin creature for one mana. Or turn, not hasty, but... Um, the pinger. The, the pinger. Oh, no, I guess that's a two mana. That's a two drop, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not really sure how you're getting this out super early. Although I could see you getting it out cheap. And oh, maybe you, doing something else. There, there's, the, there's the one drop that... Uh, that when it dies, it deals one damage to something. You could play that on turn one, this guy on turn two. Yeah, you could. That'd be quite a curve. Yeah. Th- th- this guy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think so, because like, it's it's difficult for them to block, which turns on your other spectacle cards, or just deals them damage if that's what you want to do. I always liked Water Courser, and it's it's essentially that. Like, it can deal four damage if unblocked, and it can trade for anything. So, like, this is worth a card. This yep. is definitely worth a card. I agree. Um, we talked some about Macabre Mockery, uh, and I think I actually like this card. It's two red-black for an instant, instant being pretty key. Put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It gets plus two, plus zero, and gains haste until end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. It's either a Lava Axe or a Divine Verdict. Yeah, as long as something's dead for your opponent. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that flexibility I'm kind of down with. They attack in, I reanimate one of their dudes and trade it for something, and it kind of doesn't matter what I reanimate because it's getting the plus two, plus zero, oh, so it'll probably trade. Um, and Or if I just need to get that extra step in, I can certainly do that as well. Yeah, just don't compare it to the uh, the instant speed, the madness one, where it actually stole a creature that was living because that's a two-for-one. Yeah, is and this is not a two-for-one. No. One. No. Mm-hmm. It's got flexibility, but not two-for-one potential. Yep. Uh, let's see. Rakdos Firewheeler um, makes me miss Flame Tongue Kavu, but it's still not bad. Black, black, red, red for a 4-3. When it enters the battlefield, deals two damage to target opponent and two damage to one target creature or planeswalker. It's not quite a ravenous chupacabra, but it's um, it's certainly early pickable. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy to have the, any number of these in my deck, I think. It'll... It should usually plunk something important or kill something that was like that blocked something else, right? Like I swing my four four into your two five and this finishes it off. So there's a lot it uh, it can do, um, and then the damage to the face. Like don't sweat that either. That that's important. Yeah, yeah, I like this card quite a bit. I think it's quite often going to be a two for one, uh, and I will take all of those that I can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I think we are coming close to the end. Did I like... No, I did like Bedeck and the Bedazzler. Uh, so Bedeck is Rakdos, Rakdos for an instant. Uh, it's a split card. 
Target creature gets plus three, minus three until end of turn. And then Bedazzle, sadly, was four red black for an instant destroy target non-basic land, deal two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. I mean, you're just playing this for the Bedak, but that looks like a decent removal spell that could go in three dags. Yeah, like, we've seen those effects before. We've seen them uh, plus four, minus four. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's just always good. Like, one time out of ten, you'll use it to lava axe your opponent. You'll deal some extra damage to the face. Um, but most of the time, it's killing something on the other side of the table that's important. Which you're happy with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For two mana, um, it kills most three and, and some four drops. Okay. Well, cool. Those were the multicolor cards that I particularly wanted to chat about, at, at least in common and uncommon. Did I miss any that you thought were going to be relevant? No, I really like how the um, the mechanics bleed over into the, the wedges, like the, the three colors here, right? So, like, you have your, your flying themes and your Esper colors, your Orzov and Azorius, and your plus one, plus one counters and your teamer colors. Um, and then, you know, Mardu things like your, uh, your Rakdos, your sacrifice, and, and also just plunking damage through to, to get your spectacle going. I think it's really cool that how all these, those things kind of work together. So looking forward to to the three color potentials in this format. Agree. Agree. All right. Should we jump into the Molly, the, the single colors? Yeah, let's hop on over. Okay. Um, First card I wanted to to look at here is is Bring to Trial, uh, which is a sorcery speed removal two and a white for a common uh, exile target creature with power four or greater. I'm kind of on the fence on this card, and originally when I when I rated it, I looked at the number of um, the number of cards that this actually hit, um, and I counted 19 common or uncommon out of the box, not counting Riot, not counting Adapt. And then as I started to go through and I saw more Adapt and more Ride, I'm thinking to myself, like, is this going to be more important than I think? Because originally I had it rated, you know, not not really low, but, like, I probably don't want one of these, maybe in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. But as I started to think about it, like, is this something that I'm more interested in? What's, what's your take on this card? I think there's better options for removal, but much like Color the Culprit, it's not embarrassing if you have to play one or Legion's Judgment. Like, it does make me think of, like, best of one on arena drafts. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to want to main deck one of these. But if I'm going to the pre-release or something, maybe I'm going to put this in the sideboard and bring it in for game three. Yeah, and and I think that's where I'm at on that one. So probably main decking one in arena. Okay, I'm with you there. Okay. Um, Next up for me is Civic Stalwart. Three and a white for a 3-3 elephant soldier. Believe me, we're not Simic here. This is... This is an actual elephant dressed in armor. Um, when Civic Solwart enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. We've seen effects like this on various bodies before. Um, one of the ones I can think of most recently was the Angel, the the mm-hmm. five mana three three that gave all your creatures plus one, plus one and vigilance, or was it just plus one, plus one? It was vigilance too. Yeah, that was very good. Obviously, like the vigilance helped. Um, this guy, I think is obviously not as good as that, but I think with all the extra like afterlife tokens running around in, in the Orzov colors or a bunch of flyers that are running around in, in the Esper colors, this guy I think goes up in value and, and the body's decent to, to be left behind. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably always play one of these. It's not necessarily a pull into white, um, but it's like, yeah, heck yes. I need something in my four drop spot. Yeah. It looks like it does what it does. Good things for the white decks in the format. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Concordia Pegasus, one and a white for a one-three flyer at common. It's pretty pretty simple card here, but I, I think what's important here is that it it blocks a lot of things early in the game. 
Um, and specifically afterlife tokens once those things start going. So I think as a defensive creature, this is something that I want. Um, and then also, like, you're just taking the disguise in the Esper colors um, in particular. So I'm not embarrassed to play this card in my two-drop spot. I think I'd rather it over, like, a random dorky 2-2. Um, and I'd certainly want it over most most of the time a random dorky 3-1. Yeah, and it's worth remembering, especially with those last two cards, like, we're used to white being an aggro color uh, from the last set, where it was paired with red for Boros or green for Selesnia, and white really, like, you can certainly have a curve-based deck that includes white cards, but it doesn't look like mechanically white is trying to be aggressive. So again, that's not to say you can't have an aggressive white deck or, or an aggressive opener, but, like, I think you're going to be more interested in a 1-3 flyer here than you might have been in the previous set. Yeah. Um, now, when, when you say aggressive, do you mean like, um, you know, turning your cards sideways every turn or do you just mean like focused more on attacking? I, I mean, generally speaking, focused more on attacking and like mechanically, like a 1-3 mm -hmm. flyer would have done something very different when paired with Boros than it does here, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is mostly a blocker for us or a way to deal a little extra damage and, you know, get a little extra with the Saw Ward, a way to block Orzov tokens. Like, it's doing different things than it would have been before. Yeah. Uh, another one that I think is going to be high on my list, and it's it's really hard to describe why, is the, the Forbidding Spirit, which is one white-white for a 3-3 three, three Spirit Cleric at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield until your next turn, creatures can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control unless their controller pays two for each of those creatures. Um, I think it's the combination of the 3-3 three, three body for 3, and that it can shut down your opponent's riot slash spectacle dreams maybe for a turn, um, and I think that's that's interesting to me. I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays. Me too. I, I, generally speaking, I like this card because it's a 3-drop that's good on turn 3 and has an effect later in the game. So if I just curve into it, I'm happy that I got a 3-3. Three, three. You know, I'm not getting that much value from it other than you're probably not attacking, but you might not have been attacking into it anyway. Um, but like, again, if this is my three drop, I'm not embarrassed. And then if I play it on turn six, it still has an effect. Yep. Impassioned Order. Uh, one and a white for a 2-2 human cleric. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. Um, this is important if you're playing a lot of those uh, dismember cards. I forget the name of it. Um, or you just want to you know, gain life against the the Rakdos deck that keeps pinging you down or something like that. And, and you know, if this gains four or five life through the course of the game, I think it's been a pretty effective two-drop. I think the most likely way that it will gain four or five life is by blocking your opponent's two-drop. <laughs> uh, so I, I, this is one that I would caution people not to overvalue the ability on. Most of what your two-drops are supposed to do is trade with your opponent's two-drops in sealed or in draft. And this will certainly do that. I don't think it makes a huge difference what two drop you get for this particular set. This one looks maybe a little better than the others, but like functionally, this is mostly a grizzly bear that might gain you a couple life. Not crazy excited about it, but yeah, we'll put it in the deck. I think it's a little better than that, to be honest. I think I, I, I if if the format ends up being aggressive, then this goes it's way not. Good value. You don't have you played it? No, but I can I can uh, read the cards. You can read the cards. Okay, you should watch the pre-pre-release. It was pretty aggressive. Well, I mean, I'm not saying you can't build aggressive decks. I just don't think compared to what Boros was doing that that it's going to be the same. And I also don't think that this is going to functionally stop that unless you're blocking with it, in which case you're not actually gaining any life from it. Hmm. Okay, I beg to differ on this one. I think this one will be... I think this will be a very annoying card to play against. 
Okay. I'll, I'll see you on the battlefield, sir. Absolutely. Um, probably my favorite white uncommon slash common is Ministrant of Obligation. Two and a white for a 2-1 with Afterlife 2. Yeah, that looks completely solid to me. What was the the sand, not Sandstep Oracle? No, Sandstep Warrior, which was a two one that either came in as Sandstep a, Outcast. Oh, came in as either as a three two or a two one with a one one flyer attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably better, than, like much better than that, I think. So we had Mausoleum Guard in an Innistrad set, uh, which was two and a white for a two two, and it died into a pair of two two uh, to one one flyers, and it was great. And this is like just a better version of that. We're shaving off a whole mana cost for one point of toughness. Sold. Yeah. Uh, Rally to Battle um, is an interesting card here. Three and a white for an instant. Creatures you control get plus one, plus three until end of turn. Untap them. Um, I, I I was on stream where you guys were, were discussing this card today. Um, I think people are going to play this card wrong. Yep. This is either going to get your opponent when they block or get your opponent when they attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think against a very good player, they're going to read you for this, and it's not going to be as effective, but you can still get a one-for-one one or a two-for-one out of it, potentially. Um, where this is really going to punish our... It's going to punish the people that don't see it coming, that maybe don't have experience in the format, or that just aren't paying attention. Yeah. Like, the, the thing to remember with this is, like, it may look bad to some people as an expensive combat trick, but imagine that I attack and then just put it on the table and say, this is in my hand. And just tell you I have it. Like, how do you play around it? Even if you 100% know that I have it, how, how do you play around it? You're not going to not block or attack for the rest of the game. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get you at some point. The The only way I've ever been able to play around cards like this, and it calls to mind something like Tenacity, which I think Lifelink was better than plus O plus 2, but, I mean, whatever, that's not the card we get was to, to try to, to, to get it when they were attacking in so that they go ahead and get the untap out of the way and I can see the other side of the board. Uh, so if I've read my opponent for this, I'll try to like, if they're attacking with three things, rather than just, you know, block my, you know, 2-2 two, two on their 1-1, one, 3-3 one, three, three on their 2-2, two, two, just maybe jam everything in front of their middle creature uh, and, and do the math and make sure I'll still kill it. But like, you, you should be able to get value out of this card. It's the Settle the Wreckage dance that you're playing, yeah. right? Where mm-hmm. you're you're trying to attack with an, enough stuff that entices your opponent to to use it, but not so much that you're getting that you're giving your opponent a distinct advantage. So the correct number of creatures to attack with is the number that makes your opponent go, "Hmm, do I fire this off now or do I wait?" That's the correct number, and that's the game. That's the mini game that you're trying to to win there. Yeah. Um, Sky Tether, I think, is going to be a very controversial card. Um. And I like it a lot. So it's a, a, a single white for an aura. Enchanted creature has defender and loses flying. Um, if this was in Guilds of Ravnica, it would be awful. Because mm-hmm. your Boros and your Selesnya decks were all punching through on the ground. Because we're playing Esper colors with flyers, I think this goes way up in value. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like we had Demotion in the previous set. And we were like... Oh, this is a white card, but it's actually a Boros card. I, I think this is a white card, but it's actually an Azorius card. Until you look at how many flyers there are in black, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is just actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to fire it off early, but you can, and that doesn't make it bad. But, like, your opponent, you know, stabilizes with this big thing, and they're going to kill you on the ground. Nope. Or they get that thing that's going to block all your spirit tokens, 
and you're like, nope. So like, there's a reason this is here and there's a reason it's an uncommon. And I, I think it's actually secretly pretty good. You just got to get out of that mentality of Boros and Selesnia and be like, that's, that's not what we're doing now. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be great. Um, last one for me, actually last two, we're going to go syndicate messenger, uh, three and a white for a two, three flyer with afterlife one. Um, I really like this card because it's, it's two flyers in one essentially. So the, the two, three, if you have to trade it off with something else in the air, like maybe your opponent's three, two, it leaves behind a body. Um, mm-hmm. and if your opponent has to spend removal on it, you're still left with, with the body. So as long as you're not in like, like an Orzov versus Azorius matchup where the tokens are useless, let's say. Um, yeah, I, I think this will be a very good, good common. I'd be happy to play two of these in my deck. Mm-hmm. And then Twilight Panther, which is secretly an Orzov card, is one in a, or sorry, a single white for a one, two, uh, cat spirit, and you can pay black and give it death touch. Uh, Skittering Heartstopper, Mardu Hateblade are examples of this card in the past. And if you're in these colors, it, it, it can do the job on the ground. Yeah, and randomly, like, enable some spectacle cards for the black side of your Orzhov deck. Like, remember, there's going to be some mechanic bleed. Um, but generally speaking, I've, I've been happy to play these cards, although not going out of my way to get them. Yep, I agree. I do think Summary Judgment gets a nod and is worth oh, discussing briefly. I meant to mention it. I totally skipped over it. Yeah, that's cool. That's why I'm here. Uh, it's one in white for an instant three damage to target tapped creature. If you cast it during your main phase, five damage to that creature instead. It pretty much kills everything um, at sorcery speed. Mm-hmm. Everything that matters for the most part. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like Gideon's Reproach. It's more like an impeccable timing that you can only use on your opponent's turn. Yeah. So, I know you've had, you had problem with Take Vengeance in the past. The fact that this is instant speed kind of helps with that. Not make it as bad as Take Vengeance. Um, and then the fact that it can kill larger creatures is good. This is a guild mage killer, which I think is pretty important too. Don't, don't sleep on that. Yeah. I I think this card is fine. Like my issue with take vengeance was that you, you were always taking the damage. So there was like a limit to how many you could play. I was usually pretty happy with one, but like I didn't want four of these to be my entire removal suite because I'm probably going to be dead before I get to use them. Whereas I, I think, you know, if I've got four of these, the first two or three may be impeccable timings just to get something out of the way while it's attacking me. Um, and then the, the last one will be that kill anything. Do be aware when they're attacking, they could have combat tricks up. And I think there are good ones in green and white in particular. So like you could sort of get got there, but that's, that's always the risk when you play this type of card. Yep. All right. On to blue. Let's power through the rest of these here. Um, for me, the first one that stands out is Chillbringer. Uh, a five mana flying three three that when it comes into the battlefield it puts a creature to sleep it taps an opponent's creature and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step when i first went through this i missed the flying claws and i was like oh man like why can't this just be like four mana or something like that like it seems pretty expensive and when i came back and did my second pass through um and then realized that it had flying i was like holy smokes let's change my grade yeah, yeah, card looks great. I mean, it's a five drop. You can't play a million of them, but this is this is one I'm happy to play. Yeah, like that is something to to keep in mind, right? Is that your five drop spot is going to get clogged up, especially if you have the 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 like the AABB casting cost cards, because I think those a lot of those, those are kind of your, five drops. They're kind of five drops, right? Um, so you have to be careful that the ones that you're playing play an important role, and and I think I'd be happy to play one of these for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
essence capture, I think is interesting. So it's blue, blue for counter target creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you control. I like essence scatter more than like negates, for example, because oh, sure. it, it often has a target in the late game. Um, and the plus one, plus one counter can be relevant, but you know, it's, it's mostly just for counter target creature spell. Blue doesn't get a ton of removal. So this basically becomes your blue doom blade, I would say. Um, and I'm only half joking about that. I think it's dangerous to, to call cards that are counter spells removal. <laughs> I, I really think that's doing a disservice to newer players because that nothing could be further from the truth. This is not a removal spell. It is nothing like a removal spell. It is a counter spell that I'm happy to play in limited because it has those magical words, counter target creature spell. So for me, I'm going to put Essence Capture in my deck for the same reason I would Essence Scatter, and that it can be my 2-drop, although, be aware, this one's harder to cast than Essence Scatter. So if I don't have anything on 2, and I can catch your 2 or 3 with it, that's great. And then again, later in the game, it's a little better than Essence Scatter. I can counter something relevant and make one of my creatures a little bigger. You're not really going to get combat trick value out of it either. But the, the important thing to remember is like once they've resolved a good creature, if you draw this afterwards, it doesn't interact with it at all. Um, but all that adds up to a counter spell I'm interested in playing. And I don't usually play counter spells in limited. So this has got to be a good one if it's got my interest. Yeah, it's like, you know, we joke, right? When I say something like, you know, using a counter spell is removal. It's more that um, it's a way to deal with something. And it just deals with it in a different way than removal does. So this does have the upside is if the creature has an enter the battlefield effect, that doesn't happen, for mm-hmm. example, right? So it's, it's different kinds, right? But that, that's what blue does, right? Blue doesn't generally have hard removal, and that's what that's what the counter spell is, is doing or trying to replace, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, next up for me, I think, is... The Terramander. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be controversial here, so I'm looking forward to talking about this one. A single blue for a 1-1 flyer. And you're like, but David, that's a terrible card. Why would I spend one mana or one card on a 1-1 flyer? Uh, it has eight mana, so seven in the blue for Adapt 4, and this ability costs one less to activate for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. All right, so you can tell me why I'm wrong, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm right. Okay, um... How many instant? Well, it's going to have to be a little more interactive than that. How many ins? How cheap does that? Do I have to get this for it to be good? Um, it, how much mana would you spend on a uh, like a, a five mana or sorry a, a five five flyer six mana? I think I would. I don't know that I necessarily have room for that in my deck. Like, I think if you can get this to five, it's really good. If you can get it to six, it's playable. And if you can't get it to six, you're really unhappy with it. Mm-hmm. And how many instants and sorceries do you usually have in your Orzov or Azorius deck? Uh, well, it would go in Simic or Azorius, right? Or, uh, sorry, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I was saying or Simic. Yeah, sorry, well, Simic or Azorius. It's probably more of an Azorius card. Yeah, I think it probably is. And like, I'm, I'm probably playing enough in Azorius that I can get some value out of it. Um, I, I think the difference is like some people are looking at this and saying that it's a bomb. And I don't think it's a bomb. I also don't think it's completely unplayable. Um, but like, it, it's somewhere between okay and good. Like, con- considering your Azorius deck, your removal is like your best removal spells in enchantment, right? The Swords to Plowshares variants in enchantment. 
there's an enchantment in blue that gives something minus four minus O. Oh. So like it's not just talking about non-creature spells, it's talking specifically about instants and sorceries. Mm-hmm. And like there's not that many of those in particular that I really want to play. Like I'm gonna uh-huh. have a couple of the take vengeance and maybe a counter spell and maybe a card draw spell. So if it got four in the deck, I may, may have one or two in the graveyard at some point. I mean, you probably have a bounce spell. You know, you might sure, have. I'll take a bounce spell. You might be playing. Trying to think of what else you might play. Um, you probably like maybe have a split card, right? Like, I think maybe. the I think the number of cards you need to to enable this is like seven and i think i'd be happy to play this i think anything less and it's probably probably iffy so it depends if you can get seven reliably but i think if you have two or three in the yard i think i think i'm pretty happy about this card i think you got three i'm i'm with you i think if you've got less than three i have no love for it my concern is that people are going to get a card like this and then play bad cards to try to combo with it and they're like, well, you know, I'm going to play this card that shuffles the graveyard, my opponent's graveyard, and draws a card because that'll make my Terramander less terrible. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see people doing that. Or like, Shimmer of Possibility is like an opt variant. I don't really think it has a place in the format. So playing something like that to try to t- power out your Terramander, I'm kind of out on. Maybe if it's a common, there might be a Terramander deck in limited, which would be kind of cool. But it's, it's not. It's an uncommon. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think it just depends on how many instants and sorceries you get. And um, and I think if you have enough, I think you want these. But not necessarily a draw to blue. Sage's Row Savant is a pretty good two-drop in blue. Um, it's the Omen Speaker-ish of the format. Uh, one in a blue for a 2-1 when it enters the battlefield, Scry 2. I love Scry 2 on a relevant two-drop because, again... On turn two, it lets you keep a two-lander with impunity, and later in the game it at least does something. And I suspect you're going to want some number of two-ones. Be aware of two-ones significantly worse here. There's some effects that punish one toughness, not the least of which is the afterlife mechanic. Um, But you're going to want some twos in your blue deck, and this looks like a fine one to me. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Senate Courier, sneakily one of the better blockers in the format. A a three mana, two and a blue for a one-four flyer with the optional one and a white. It gains vigilance until end of turn. I mean, you you just play this and it just blocks everything for days and you don't even care if it dies. Yeah, it's a hoot. It's a hoot. (laughs) It is an owl. Um, Skatewing Spy, I'm very excited to draft this card. Three and a blue for a two-three with uh, five and a blue for Adept two. Each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it has flying. Abzan Falconer in Cons Block was probably one of my favorite cards. And one of the better things you could do with it is have a board of creatures that had plus one, plus one counters, and then just play it and kill your opponent. And that play pattern is absolutely here with Spy. Yep, I, I agree. I look forward to drafting this one highly, actually. Yeah, this this will go uh, specifically in Simic. Like, you can still play it in Azorius, but I think you're missing out on its full potential there because in Simic you'll have the Riot cards from green as well as all the Adapt cards in the, the blue and green colors, and I think you should really be able to do some damage with this. I'm splashing this in my Gruul deck. Sure. Give all, all my Riot creatures flying. Um, there's a couple of really good ad- Adept cards just to keep in mind. Uh, I'm going to skip over them here. Um, do you want to talk about Slimebind? Like, do you count this as removal? One in a blue for an aura, enchanted creature gets minus four, minus zero, and it has flash. I think it's kind of removal if you're playing Azorius, and kind of like a, a, a medium combat trick if you're playing Simic. 
Because your stuff should get big enough that you can trade, right? Whereas with Azorius, you kind of don't care. If you can get their ground creature to, to have negative power, it's functionally dead as far as you're concerned. So, like, I don't think it's actually, like, wonderful. I'm not, like, we opened a slime bind, let's do it. But more like, you know, I'm pick six, I've got some good white and blue cards. I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll take a slime bind. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sad that we don't have, like, water knot and claustrophobia and all those Let's get things. narcolepsy, man, if we're going to dream. I mean, it's not that much to dream. We just had Water Nod and Rivals of Ixalan. Yeah, and it was pretty good. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, Windstorm Drake, I think, is the last one. This this card is... This is this is great. Four and a blue for a 3-3 three, three flyer. I mean, how many five mana 3-3 three, three flyers can you have in a deck? I think you can have a lot. Um, and by that, I mean four. Um, with the upside of other creatures you control with flying, get plus one, plus zero. Sold. Like, this is going to play great with your afterlife cards. Yeah, there is a ridiculous number of flyers. Not not just flyers, but the tokens as well. And if you have none, who cares? Yeah, you, you still for, got a 5-mana 3-3 three, three flyer. That's great. Hit him for 3 a turn. So, um, Blue looks fun, but I, I think blue looks fun as one of, as obviously, as a support color. Like, if I'm playing Azorius or Simic, I want to be probably heavier white or heavier green then I do want to be heavier blue. Uh, I, I, sure, but like I, I feel like you're going to have to lean on all of the different colors here. Blue is giving you flyers, and it's giving you bounce. Like It's worth noting there's a three-mana bounce spell here, Arrestor's Admonition, uh, Instant Speed, Bounce Something. If you play it on your main phase, you draw a card. So like blue is giving you the tools that you need to do stuff. Like There will probably be a blue-green tempo version of Simic, uh, because there often is. And then, again, Blue-White Skies is the deck, and it looks like it's got all the tools here to do that. Yep. All right, let's move on into black. Let's start with Blade Juggler. Four and a black for a 3-2 with Spectacle 2 and a black. So you may cast this card or the spell for its Spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. Uh, note that it doesn't have to be damage. It's just losing life, um, and so you don't have to be the one necessarily that deals damage in order to enable it. It's not like raid where you have to attack with something to get the to get it. It's just if an opponent lost life when it enters the battlefield, deals one damage to you and draw a card. I mean, that's pretty good to me. I feel like you're overpaying by one if you don't spectacle it, and underpaying by one if you do. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's a decent spread for me. So I, I think I'm pretty happy with this. Just be aware it's it's like functionally closer to a four drop, even though it'll never be one, right? Like I bet if you're on the play, you'll get to cast this on turn three a lot, and if you're on the draw, you won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think it's it's respectable at five mana. Make a three two replace itself. Yeah, and then you just throw it into a double block somewhere. Like you'll you'll get value out of it on the ground here as well too, mm-hmm. not just the card. Yeah, I'm 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 in for this one. Um, next for me was no, I don't want to talk about that one. I was gonna I had Catacomb Crocodile on here, but only because it had seven toughness, and I thought that was amazing. That's um, <laughs> a big butt. Let's talk about clear the stage. Four and a black, uh, and I want to, uh, not because this is good, but because I, I think it's going to be pseudo-trap. Uh, four and a black for a an instant target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. If you control a creature with power four or greater, you may return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Can you guess why I think this is a bit of a trap? Well, people are going to think they get both, and they're very rarely going to get both. Like, it, it there's just not enough creatures to actually trigger that. Yeah, um... 
Are you you're not you're never splashing this in gruel? I don't think so. Like the the mana shouldn't be there without the Golgari Guildgates. I guess you could, but like I I'm still coming at this from the the the, the feeling that I'm going to be playing two color decks because that's what we were doing in the last set. Now, mm-hmm. if if I'm wrong and we're able to just go full nuts here, then sure, maybe I will. I mean, you can get there in Jund with the Rakdos Guildgate. Yeah. But there's not enough for power creatures in black uh, or red, I think. I mean, we haven't looked at the red yet, but there's just not enough. So I think most of the time it's just a five mana minus three minus three. Which is really not quite good enough. I mean, at instant speed, it'll get the job done, but we're not writing home about it. Exactly. Um, How excited are you to play Consigned to the Pit? Five and a black for a sorcery destroy target creature. Deal two damage to that creature's controller. Not very. I mean, like, maybe I'll have one in the deck, but it looks like we can do a little bit better in the the guild-specific removal spells, and I'm hoping to lean there, where maybe if I force a deck that I shouldn't be and end up playing this, like, I can deal with one of these in the deck. I think that's where it's going to end up. It's here to make sure that everybody has removal if if they're playing black. Um, and not just the people that opened the good guild cards. Yeah, I, I think it, that's exactly what it is, and it does that. Okay. Um, and then finally, I want you to tell me here, this is another black removal spell. How interested are you in playing Cry of the Carnarium, one black black for all creatures get minus two, minus two, and those creatures get exiled instead of dying? I think pretty interested, although it's worth noting this is probably going to kill a lot of your own stuff. But much like if you open a Wrath and Limited, you're probably going to play it. I, I suspect I'm probably going to play this as well, right? Like, it shouldn't be that hard to craft a board state where this is going to be beneficial to me. It's interesting that it punishes Orzov colors, like Orzov mechanics, while being an Orzov card, which is a little weird because you wouldn't get your afterlife triggers. But presumably you can kind of, again, if, if this is in your opener, try to craft a board state around this being in your opener, uh, it, it does look like there's a lot of two threes in this format as a, opposed to like three twos. It's going to make it a little worse, but I, I'm still playing it. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm down on this card. And I, th- I think the reason is, is because like if you're playing Rakdos, you really want to be like doing your thing and getting your spectacle early and starting to get that advantage and punishing your opponent for missing land drops or whatever, um, which this completely goes against. Um and if you're Orzov, you want to be getting value. Like, you'll play a Wrath in, or- in or- Orzov, obviously, because you'll get your Afterlife token. It's like, great, I-, I still have creatures on the board after the Wrath, and this doesn't let you do that. I feel like if you're playing against either of those colors, this is where it's at its best. So then you just don't play anything, and you let your opponent dump their hand, and then you wipe their board, hopefully. Um, but then it's dead in game one against Gruul, Azorius, kind of Azorius... Um, and probably not dead against Simic, but obviously not as good against Simic. So I think it just fits in this weird spot that maybe it's a sideboard card in a mirror match. See, I'm not convinced uh, Rakdos is is a traditional aggro deck. I think it's kind of this like a- aggressive value deck mm-hmm. almost, right? And- like if we're looking at cards that replace themselves and that sort of things. So like I think there will probably be a Rakdos deck that's looking to slowly kill you but can get value off of a card like this. I also think like the Act of Treason deck is going to be a real thing, and just wiping out some of the small stuff and buying you some time to assemble those card combos might be something you want to do. Yeah, but in that Rakdos deck, if you're not doing anything on turn two, three, four, like you're not you're not fulfilling your game plan at that point. 
right? Like if you're not if you're not getting your spectacle cards out ahead of curve on the play and smashing in and then and then relying on your reach later in the game, like you're setting your your game plan back so far. Well, we we talk about these spectacle cards and all these spectacle cards and all that they do, and as you go through and look at them, like there's not that many. And most of them are reducing the casting cost by one or two, which is significant. But, like, some of them you can't even play early. Like, there's a raised dead with spectacle. Like, I'm not looking to turn that on on turn two or three. No, so but, I, but you're looking at things like a 5-2 for three mana. And, like, you know, combine that with a red riot creatures. And now all of a sudden you're smashing your opponent for eight or nine on turn four, right? Like, there's, yeah, there's, you, there's you, hands yeah. like that. You certainly could go aggressive with it. I'm just saying I don't think that that's all Rakdos can do. Mm-hmm. I think there's, like... It, it, it's interesting that we've just had Ixalan come back again. Because I remembered Black Red Pirates being really bad, really aggressive, and not being interested in it. Uh, and Ryan Sachs came in chat and was like, You don't remember drafting the control variant. You should try Black Red Control. I was like, Okay, how do I do that? And he said, just take every recovery you see and every enter the battlefield you see. You could actually draft a controlling red-black deck in Ixalan that was quite good. And I suspect there's going to be something similar to that here as I look through these cards. Because, like, they just don't look hyper-aggressive. Like, just pushed two-drop, pushed three-drop. It's more like, hey, here's a pretty good value three-drop. And here's a neat card with Spectacle that's kind of okay at five, but better if you can turn this on. And, like, as I'm looking at those, I'm like, I, I think you may be able to do a control deck out of red-black, and this card would go right into it. Okay, and and I think that's fair. Um, Maybe you have convinced me. I think that... I forget. I had had a train of thought, and I lost it. (laughs) I'm just going to go on to the next card. (laughs) Fair enough. Which is Dead Revels. Um, This is the... uh, Not Recover. What was the one? Not Open the Graves. Morbid Uh, Plunder is what I would call it. No, it's return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. It's four casting costs, three and a black, with spectacle one and a black. Um, there was one recently. Uh, Dominaria had a return two cards. It had Soul Salvage. That's what it was, Soul Salvage, right? Okay, I can't remember if that was two or not. I felt like it was one and draw a card or something, but whatever. No, that was Recover. That was, that was Recover, okay. There's so many variants. Uh, not much design space left in this area, but um, I think this will be good. I, I like I like drawing two cards. Yeah, if 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 there's a black red control deck, this is gonna be a key piece of it. I mean I think I think if you have creatures that are good, you want this card. And I and I think that's all you need. Yeah, you don't want to be buying back garbage two drops. You wanna like, you know, throw everything in, get some good trades, buy some stuff back, have some afterlife cards that you're buying back. That sounds pretty exciting. Uh, that's what I mean. Like I think it goes in Orzov if you have a bunch of afterlife too, so I I, I think it's good. Okay. Okay. Um, what's next for me here? Next page. Uh, it's got to be Grotesque Demise. You want to talk about Grotesque Demise? Yeah, I think that's worth noting. All right. Just, you know, black for instant exile target creature with power three or less. This this is your common removal spell in black. It's going to kill little stuff. It gets rid of it. There's no uh, afterlife. There's no buying it back. It's just dead. And it's a common now. Like, we've seen this at Uncommon in sets before, and I think it's fine. It kills about 80% of common and uncommon cards out of the box. Yeah, and a lot of guild mages. Um, it's worth noting that the Riot stuff comes into play with that counter. Mm-hmm. So if there's, like, I don't think you can actually get a 3-3 Riot creature with this if they choose to put the counter on it. 
Correct. It has the counter when it comes into play. Yeah, so you're never actually able to kill that. So just keep that in mind as you're playing with the card. Yeah, and keep in mind if you're pay- playing at your pre-release and your opponent tries to do that with you, just just call a judge. Yup. Uh, Orzov Enforcer. Oh, how do you like your Death Touchers to come with it with a one-one flying spirit? Uh, one in a black for a one-two Death Touch with Afterlife one. Yeah, I think this card's pretty good. I think this is a premium two drop for basically black decks. Yep. I mean, you're you're playing any number of these. Yeah, like, and think about what a good enabler this is for Spectacle, right? Like, they mm-hmm. they block it and trade something. Okay, cool, I got a 1-1 Spirit that's now going to enable Spectacle for me next turn. Like, I think this just does everything that Black wants to be doing, and it plays well in both 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 guilds. Yep. I'm very glad that this wasn't, like, a hybrid card. Or not a hybrid card, but, like, a red-black card or something like that. Like, you know, red and black casting costs instead of one and a black yeah um because i think that would that would be very very sad mm-hmm. um i guess it wouldn't have afterlife in that case well it could um, have been black white and i think it's nice that it that it's not yeah uh i want your take on plague white i have it marked down with a with a note here that i think this could be a, a decent enabler for uh spectacle as well so this is one in a black for a two one whenever it becomes blocked each creature blocking it gets minus one minus one until end of turn I, I like this early because I think it will go unblocked quite frequently. Um, but I don't know how much utility it has after that. I don't think it has a whole lot, although it's going to have better attacks than something else, right? Like it would trade for a 3-2, but I guess it would anyway. It would trade for a 4-3, which is kind of neat if you can get them to block it. But I, I think that's what it's here for, is to try to force in some damage and turn on your spectacle. It It does all of that and is a relevant body, like... The obvious comparison is to like Ornery Goblin or Ashmouth Hound if you've been playing a long time. And like it's worse than those because it doesn't have this effect when it is the blocker, right? It only has this effect when it becomes blocked. So I think to truly take advantage of it, you would want to be doing things in Ragtos where you would really like them to take the damage. Yeah. Probably not playing it in my Orzov deck. Unless you're just desperate for twos. Which sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Um, two more for me. Spire Mangler, two and a black for a two-one flash flyer, which is kind of weird in black. Um, when it enters the battlefield, target creature with flying you control gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. So this, um, is just a straight up removal spell in combat uh, on on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can kill target things, itself because it can target itself. Sometimes it'll kill things that your opponent, like you know, one of your afterlife creatures, your tokens, your spirit tokens, all of a sudden eat something on the other side of the table. Um, or it's just a 2-1 Flash Flyer that comes down at the end of your turn, and then you smash in next turn. Thus enabling your spectacle. Mm-hmm. So much like the the Orzov Death Toucher dude, I think this just does a lot of stuff for black. It has a lot of interesting lines of play to it, uh, which adds up to a solid uncommon for me. Agreed. And then finally, Vindictive Vampire. I hope to draft this card a lot. Three and a black for a 2-3 whenever another creature you control dies. Note that it is not just non-token creatures. Um, any creature it deals one damage to each opponent and you gain one life yeah i I actually like we've seen this effect before and it's usually on two mana one ones and it's always been pretty good uh i think like putting it on a four mana two three makes it better because you didn't really want to play that on turn two anyway and this is a body that might actually be pseudo relevant in combat at some point uh so i think this is just a better version of cards that we've seen before like this like 
you know, Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat or what have you. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to play with this one too. And again, it's just additional value if you've got, you know, sacrifice shenanigans and active treason shenanigans going on. I mean, you don't even really need that. Sometimes your opponent will just be at six and you'll have a bunch of creatures on the table in a board stall and you'll play this and you'll just be like, okay, well, you know, you can't block anything because if anything dies, like, so do you. Die. Right. Yeah. And, and you can't not block it because I'm attacking with six creatures. Right. So, um, yeah, just the flexibility of this card is really good and it just puts so much pressure. It, it changes the, it changes how your opponent plays magic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. So the, the only one you missed that I wanted to mention, uh, was blood mist infiltrator, uh, which is two and a black for a three, one when it attacks, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, it can't be blocked this turn. Like this is a a three mana three one is not great, fair enough, but it's passable. And I, I think that late game, like sometimes your opponent's at nine, and you're like, well, I got a plan. And in addition, there's the act of treason shenanigans. So like, I, I think this card at least deserves a nod in the set review. Yeah, and and that's fair. Um, it's one of the only free sacrifice activations that works with active treason. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Um, so we've mentioned Active Treason. We're just going to skip it. Everybody knows what Active Treason does. First red card for me is Burning Tree Vandal. Two and a red for a 2-1 with Riot. Whenever it attacks, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. Yeah, I like Rummaging Goblin a lot. And this is not that, right? Like, it's not often that you would necessarily want to rummage or that it would be correct to rummage on turn three. So let's focus on the stat line. A 2-1 haste for three is fine, but not exciting, uh, three mana three two is fine but not exciting. The fact that it at least still lets you cycle another card late game because like you probably don't have anything to do with your seventh mana in your red deck makes this better than that. So like this is this looks like just kind of an average acceptable card and a neat way to showcase this mechanic. Yeah, if you happen to have combat tricks, I think I think it plays really well with this um, more so than other cards because you might have the look of like well you're just looking to rummage right it's like my opponent might just be attacking in here because they just want to flip a card out of their hand um so there's a little bit of bluff value there but like other than that you know it's it's it's, it's okay yeah okay is where it, i came down to i mean it's a common right so mm-hmm. um clamor shaman is that or shaman shaman i guess it's clamor shaman that sounds clamor a little better shaman. Than shaman it sounds a little better than shaman um, two and a red for a one-one. What? With riot. Okay. And then whatever it attacks, target creature and opponent controls can't block this turn. I mean, on crop crasher was a beating, and this is not that far away from on crop crasher, right? The the mm-hmm. trick with the crasher was it could only do the effect every other turn, but it was contributing three damage. Whereas this one's probably not. So, like, late game, you top deck it, you slam it down as a 1-1 and send it in for some damage. Early game, if you're curving out, it's a 2-2, and it's going to make next turn really uncomfortable for your opponent. So, overall, I think I like this card. It really punishes your opponent for holding back one blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're playing, let's say, best of three, if you're not playing arena, um, you know, you play this in game one, and your opponent has to think about it game two and game three. I really like that. Um, the flexibility on it also is really good. Um it reminds me of Territorial Hammer Skull. Yeah, Stanley. Right, um, where it's it's easy to kill, but on the right board, or if you can if you can keep your opponent off creatures, like you're playing, you know, red black removal dot deck, and you throw one of these guys in there, like it can do a lot of damage. So I'm I'm pretty high on this card. Yeah, I dig it. Dagger Caster, uh, four or three in a red. Sorry, for a two three. 
When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each opponent and one damage to each creature your opponents control. Uh, Chain Whirler. Dagger Whirler. Dagger Whirler, sure. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm pretty high on this card. I think there's enough things that it kills, and then it also gets the afterlife tokens um, that that I want to be playing at least one of these if I can. Same. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that like you can attack two twos into three threes, knowing that you know if they take the damage, you're probably pretty happy. If they don't, you can use this to clean up the port afterwards. So I, I think that's that that's a lot going for this this card. Yeah, I, I agree, and like. If you plunk any number of afterlife creatures, I think you're pretty happy because you got rid of your opponent's kind of advantage that they played to by getting mm-hmm. the afterlife creatures in the first place. Not spending a card to kill a 1-1 flyer, I think, is is good value. Agree. All right. Flames of the Ray's Boar. I'll give you one guess as to what guild this is supposed to be in, given the name. Ha! <laughs> Not gruel, then die! <laughs> Five and a red for an instant. Uh, this deals four damage to target creature and opponent controls. Then it deals two damage to each other creature that player controls if you control a creature with power four or greater. Um, the reason why it's Gruel, I think, is because it's very easy to get four power in Gruel, not so much in Rakdos. Yeah. Uh, so if, like, instant speed, six mana, four damage, you're kind of unhappy with that in Rakdos. But, you know, four damage to one thing, two damage to everything else, you're pretty happy with that in Gruul. So I, I would kind of look at this as a Gruul card, um, and and I think if you do that, you're probably going to go in the right direction. I'm pretty happy that this is instant speed. If it was sorcery speed, I'd be a little less excited for it. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, you could do it in response to your four power creature dying, let's say, um, to, to make sure you get the activation off of it, or just to, like, blow out a combat or post-combat... Um, I, I think is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about the gate deck? I, I, this this is not our style, um, but I, I like it exists. Yeah, it, it does look like there's going to be a gate deck. There appear to be a couple payoffs for it. There's some in red, some in white. I think there was even a green one. I I like I tried to do that in the previous set and got punished for trying to build it. So it it kind of felt like it wasn't something you were supposed to be doing and it felt it honestly felt like a trap to me. Um now that said that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be that here, but I'm gun shy going in. So like as we were looking at all of these today, Ethan was kind of going nuts and getting excited about them and I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, show me first and then maybe I'll try it, but I'm not going to be the one to break these gate cards. If you are I'm gates, not about gates cashing, crashing gates. No, Gates Ablaze is the one that that you want. Um, two in a red, where it and it deals X damage to each creature. Where X is the number of gates you control. Um, obviously, that's your reason to play the Gates deck. Yeah, but like, it, it, do you have to have a card like this just to catch up? Because all of your mana came into play tapped, and you you know probably can't even find all your colors anyway. I mean, like, maybe, maybe you're you're. I mean, you're probably playing Naya colors. That would be my guess. Right. Um, because there is a, I think there's a green fixer for gates, if I remember correctly. So I don't know. I mean, I don't well, think I means... drafted the gate deck very often, maybe once in the previous set. So I don't really have a ton of experience with this. I tried it and it's weird that the payoffs are in a wedge or shard that isn't supported. It's, it's pseudo supported. Yeah. Your gruel splashing white. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have like what white gate also produces red and or no, green? I, I, 
I mean, you're right. It's just it's just the the Gruel Guildgate in this case. So, which is weird, right? So like I, like it, it wasn't good enough before. The only thing that was good enough was the six mana flyer that got some counters. Because like if you got one counter, you were like, yeah, cool, I'll take it. I guess there's the blue card too that the, the gate synergy where if you play a gate, it gets unblockable and it draws you a card. Yeah, we do have that in blue here. So, like, you could probably build a gate deck. I just, I was so dissatisfied with it in the previous set that I'm not going to try it <laughs> until somebody beats me with it. That's fair. Um, Rumbling Ruin. I really like this card. Uh, six, Five and a red for a 6-6. Six, six. When it enters the battlefield, count the number of plus one, plus one cre- uh, counters on creatures you control. Creatures your opponent control with power less than or equal to that number can't block this turn. You really don't need a bun- a lot of plus one, plus one counters to get value out of this, I think. Yeah, and you're going to have some because, like, remember, it's not just coming from the Simic cards, which you'll have some of if you're in Gruul, uh, but also from your Riot cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've got a couple creatures that you rioted, this can just be a falter for you. And you may not have to get that many out of the way, right? Like, if they've got a couple of small blockers and we're looking to chump block you, you can beat them with this. And it's a reasonable body as a six mana, six, six. So I, I think this will be playable. I like it as a curve topper for sure. It can sometimes just finish the game. Um, I kind of like that it doesn't have haste. And the reason is because let's say like you you make a bunch of things can't block, you swing in, and then you get destroyed by like uh, like removal spell or uh, like the, the format. Untap trick. Un- untap trick or something like that. At least you have this guy left on defense on the way back and maybe you don't just die. Mm-hmm. Um, Scorchmark and Skewer the Critics are our red removal spells um, at, at common here. So Scorchmark is one in red for an instant deal two damage to a creature. It, it gets exiled. And Skewer the Critics is uh, two in a red for a sorcery of spectacle of a single red. Deals three damage to any target. Um, both pretty good. Like, full stop, right? There's not much else to talk about it here. Yeah, worth noting that the shock variant can't go to the face and eats afterlife cards. Uh, but other than that, like this is your bread and butter removal for red. You play in it. Agreed. I don't think I have anything else. I think that's it. Okay, I think that does it for red for me too. Although I did want to mention because I've talked about active treason so many times that I really only like it when I'm playing a deck that's looking to do shenanigans with it and sacrifice things. I don't think I just want to put it in a red deck and play it. Um, so like I, I ended up grading it a D, but then being excited about the synergy that it had, like it's certainly still playable in a gruel deck as a finisher, but just be aware. Like I talked about it a lot. I'm not saying you should first pick that card. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap it up with green here. Biogenic upgrade, um, incremental growth. This reminds me of, except significantly better. I think Four green, green for a sorcery. Distribute three plus one, plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures. Then double the number of plus one, plus one counters on each of those creatures. So you're getting six total power and toughness, um, and you only need one creature. You don't need up. You don't need three creatures to do this. And you could be putting a counter on a creature that already has a counter, in which case you'd be getting even extra value. And I still don't want it. No, I want um, it. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent out on this. No, like six I'm... mana, pump some cards. I'd rather just play another six drop. No, no. You, Did you can... like strength so... of the pack and Ixalan? A which strength of the pack? Uh, no, but that's different than this card. Not uh, well. I think that card might actually be better. It was no. you know, put plus two, put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. Put it in the, put it in context of the format. 
where we have pl- uh, the uncommons that give your creatures trample or flying with plus one plus one counters, um, plus your adapt creatures uh, that potentially have trample. Like there's uh, adapt creatures or riot creatures that have trample. Doubling that power and toughness on those creatures um, can be a big game. No, I, I think this is going to be a good card. I don't know, man. I hear sleigh bells. I don't think it's that hard to to draft an uncommon, two uncommons, and put them in your deck with a bunch of commons that have adapt. Like I, I don't think so. I mean, it could happen, but this this is not an effect that I'm typically very interested in. So, so for me, I don't like this one. So, like, tweet at us after your weekend pre-releases, or you play with the Simon Arena, and tell us what your experiences were with Biogenic Upgrade, because it's entirely possible I'm wrong. It mm-hmm. has happened like I, I don't know once before. Mm, I take the over on once. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, Mammoth Spider. Why am I so excited to play Mammoth Spider, Travis? It's five, four and a green for a three-five reach. Because it's really good, man. Yeah, it just blocks everything. Forget afterlife tokens. Forget spectacle enablers. Forget riot creatures. It just jumps in front of everything, and you don't even care if it dies. It's like I don't care. It was a three-power creature. Yeah, like, the, the secret is that a 5-mana 3-5 is actually just good in most formats, and stapling reach to it just makes it so you actually feel comfortable playing it instead of picking it and thinking, oh, I'll play this and then cutting it. Uh, so, like, I, I think this is just a solid, solid card. Agreed. Uh, oh, I should also mention that Biogenic Upgrade obviously depends on how fast the format is. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a huge caveat there. Um Let's see here. Man, I don't have a, I don't have a lot here. I feel like I, I reviewed green last, so I just kind of like blew through my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll note any that I think are worthwhile after you go through yours. Are you main, main decking the plummet that deals with all the afterlife creature or the the afterlife tokens as well? Tuna green, uh, Sagittar, Sagittar's volley, um, destroy target creature with flying. It deals one damage to each creature with flying your opponent's control. Well, I mean, it's basically dead against Gruul. Um, unless they have, like, the Mythic Dragon. And that's about it, right? It, it's live against every other color. Um, Ractos isn't going to have a ton, but it'll have some. So I, I think you're really interested in it for Esper colors. I don't think I'm main decking it. I that's think fair. I'm, like, maybe in best of ones, but I don't think I'm ready to main deck it yet. Yeah, I, I was I was with you. Like, it's, it's a tough one compared to, like... Um... You know, compared to a format like M19 where you're main decking Plummet in Best of Ones. But that's because Red had Flyers, and Red doesn't have Flyers here. That's because everything had Flyers, right? Um, There's a lot of very good cards you needed to kill, and a lot of bombs had Flying too. So you're right. I think this is purely against Esper colors. Um, Sorrowform Hybrid. uh, Favorite 2-2. Favorite bear in the the set. One in a green for Mm -hmm. 2-2 with uh, four green green Adapt 4. It's the Colossal Dreadmaw of the format. It's great, except it, it, you can play it and like on turn two and attack with it and block with it, and then later it's a Colossal Dreadmaw minus Trample. This thing looks great to me. What's what not remi- to love? Do you know what it reminds me of? What's that? A morph creature. It Actually, yeah. Right? Where you're playing it for 2-2 two, two and you're like, I don't care if I attack or block with this and it dies. Like It, it did its job. It, it was there to get me to turn four. Um, and then when you have the mana to flip it, adapt it, now it becomes a threat, except your opponent can see it coming. Yeah. Yeah, it actually is going to have a play pattern similar to a morph. It's just all face up. I dig it. And that's why I like it so much. 
Uh, Solana Wayfinder, one at a green for a 2-1. I like that it's a Wayfinder because, um, what was the Wayfinder? Seder Wayfinder was a similar mm-hmm. card to this, right? Uh, when it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library, reveal a creature or land card and put it in your on top of your library. Oh, you know what? I'm down on this one. That's still not bad. No, right? I thought it, I thought it went to your hand when I read it. I just skipped over that. I'm like, I know what this card does. It goes to your hand. Well, I'm see, that's little... why it's not Seder Wayfinder, because Seder yeah. Wayfinder was a 1-1, and you drew the card, and they went to your graveyard, and it was in a set that had graveyard shenanigans. This, this is not that, but that's still not bad, right? Like, compare this to the two-drop in blue that Scryed to. Mm-hmm. It's not a whole lot different than that. You get to look at your top four, pick a creature or land that you're interested in, and put it on top. Um, and it, it it's you may... So, like, if your hand's actually good and you reveal four lands and you're like, you know, I've already got two more in hand. I don't really want those. Just shove them on the bottom. You don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, it's fine. I was way more excited for it when it was when I thought it was draw a card. Yeah, it's not draw a card. It's not draw a card. All right. Well, I'm glad I read this again because I've, that's my that's my one card that I or two cards that I misread in this in this set so far. So. Hey, that's why we do the set reviews, man. Like, before I did these or listened to these, I'd go to pre-releases and not know what the heck I was doing and misread cards. Um, I think the last one for me... Well, okay, we should talk about Titanic Brawl and why it's not good. Yep. Uh, or not as good. Uh, one in a green for an instant uh, target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Um, and it costs one less if it targets a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, repeat after me no power no toughness don't want no fight no fight yeah like prey upon was fringe playable in the previous set i really felt like it was mostly a golgari card just because the only thing it really played well with was dowser of lights and i think we're in a similar situation here although like to be fair simic is appearing to get much bigger than anything we've seen in the past but you just got to remember, this isn't two mana removal. This is like exceptionally late game removal, and you cross your fingers they can't interact with your big dude at instant speed. Like we do have some big creatures um, in in Gruel, so like it, it's possible that it could be better. But I'm going to start pretty far down on this card and move up uh, because fight spells that don't pump power and toughness haven't been good in a long time. Yeah, it really just depends on how big your your green creatures are. Like if mm-hmm. if you're playing creatures that are ahead of curve then this goes up in value and we'll we'll see how the format plays out mm-hmm. last for me i think is just the troll bread guardian four and a green for a five five with two and a green adapt two which is an interesting combo um you know the body alone is great and then each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample yeah this card's just absurd like yeah. it plays well with itself and then does neat stuff with any riot or um evolve creatures that not evolve <laughs> adapt, adapt creatures that you may have so like that that seems fantastic to me do you want this one or the flying variant more <sighs> it, pick one pack one if you're this giving one. If I, you want this one more yeah is it just because it, it's a five five or yeah the stat line's better interesting okay the stat I, line's I think, just better i think the flying ability is better because it'll finish a game faster but I agree that the stat line, like, this is a better creature. This is a better, in in a vacuum, this is better on its own. Like, you can just play it by itself and not have any other plus one, plus one counter synergies, and you're kind of okay with that. Whereas the flying one is not, is a little worse on its own. Well, I, I feel like it's harder to not have plus one, plus one counter synergies if you pick the troll. Because it's either going in Gruul, which has the synergy, or Simic, which has the synergy. 
Whereas the flyer, I could take that and end up Azorius, where it's like, yeah, this is okay, but this guy's going to end up in a deck with other creatures that have the counters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a stronger first pick if you're ever, you know, faced with that. That's fair. But I think if you end up with the other one in the Simic deck, I think the other one It's is better. better. Yeah. yeah. But you're agreed. right. It, it, in a vacuum, I think. If this is if it's pack three, maybe you take the the flying one instead and you're already Simic. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. Alright, cool. I don't think I missed anything there. There's there's two cards I want to talk about, uh, and then then we can be done. But I I did want to mention the enraged Saratok. Two green green for a four four can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Like that's freaking huge, man. It's a it's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. And then we've got rampaging Rendhorn, which is four and a green for a four four with riot. And I think that's just a beautiful use of that mechanic because basically I either get a four four with haste or a colossipede. And like, I think the power and toughness scale here is similar to like Hour of Devastation era and like a 5-5 is kind of just huge. Okay, walk with me to Magical Christmas Land here for a second. Okay. Okay, so you have three of those in your deck. Mm -hmm. And you have that Gruul enchantment, Rhythm of the Wild. All of those guys become charging monstrosaurs. How happy are you? Well, probably not that happy because I'm already dead. Because I I, I just played a three drop that doesn't attack or block, uh, no, but man, it would have been so cool if I could have drawn that fifth land and cast them. No, I just looked at it and I'm like, oh man, it's so close to charging monsters. Or how do we make this there? And I'm like, we play Rhythm of the Wild, and then we play the card that gives all of our plus one plus one counter tre- creatures trample. We put those cards together, and I can play any number of monsters that I want in this format, and nobody will see it coming. That would be fantastic. It would be pretty good. That was a lot. We kind of went a little over time there. I think it's, it's worth it. I think so. There's a lot of cards to talk about there. Uh, or like, I mean, we talked about, I mean, maybe half the set. Um, but I, th- I think it's really good. Like, there's a lot of powerful cards in this set. And I think there's a lot of synergy in the mechanics. Maybe more so than we saw in the last, in, in Guilds of Ravnica. Like, it feels like the the synergies, at least with the, uh, the, uh, the sliver type, like the Outlast style you know, all your creatures get trampled or all your creatures get flying. Like, I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. And and the shards or the wedges feel uh, feel real interesting in this set too. So I'm looking forward to it. I also, I do want to mention just last little bit here. If you're going to play sealed, I think lockets are better in sealed than they are in draft. And I also think the lockets may be playable in draft decks that have mana sinks. Uh, so mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the team or wedge there. But I think those lockets may actually be decent in draft as opposed to not playable. So bear that in mind as you're going out for your first games. And like we don't know the format yet. We haven't played it. These are just thoughts after looking at it. Uh, We'll be back soon with more information about that. And hopefully you'll be sharing that with us as well, uh, both on Twitter and on our streams. So we can all kind of figure this out together and see what Ravnica Allegiance is going to look like. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, You and I are both doing the... uh... uh, Ravnica Allegiance uh, preview event on MTG Arena. Thanks to Watsi for inviting us and giving us fully stocked accounts. I will be doing nothing but sealed. Me too. Okay. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. And then we're going to come back later this week. So we're going to have a rare double episode this week uh, with our first thoughts on Thursday. So look for that episode to come out on Friday. Yeah. Rock on, man. All right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. Adios.